If you have your Bibles and would like to follow along, I'm going to be looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And uh, it's a passage of Scripture that basically every time I preach a funeral and I, uh, I get to the grave site, I, I read this passage. This is a very comforting passage of Scripture. But I don't think I've ever actually preached a message on it before. And so it was uh, kind of an interesting experience for me to really kind of take this passage apart uh, this past week and study it a little bit more than what I had really had done in the past. We're going to be talking about the rapture of the church, okay? We're going to talk about the rapture. And uh, what I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen because I don't know. All right? Uh, I realize there are three different, at least three, there's actually five, but three major theological positions on the rapture of the church. Pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. I'm not going to go into all that today, except to say that uh, my own home is divided on that one. <laughs> okay. I, I hold to the pre-trib rapture of the church. My wife holds to the post-trib rapture of the church. And so uh, we've never really argued about it. We've joked about it. And at times I've, I've ribbed her about it when I see something, you know. It's like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And she'll do the same thing with me. Whether Jesus Christ comes back before the tribulation period or at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation period at the three and a half years or at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, uh, nobody knows for sure. But the most important thing anyway is to be ready. Whatever one of the three positions you hold, the most important thing is don't be left behind. Be ready, okay? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Verse 13 says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. I want to just pick out a few things from verse 13. The first thing is, we do not want you to be ignorant. That's a very interesting word uh, that Paul uses there. It literally means without knowledge and understanding. That's what it means. We, we don't want you to be without knowledge of what's going to happen or understanding of that. It's the English word, it's the Greek word, excuse me, that we get our English word agnostic from, okay? And an agnostic person is a person who doesn't know for sure if there's a God. They don't know. They don't know. An atheist, on the other hand, is a person who says there is no God, okay? But this whole idea about we don't want you to be without knowledge, we don't want you to be without understanding, about what's going to happen to those who, who die. And he talks here about those who have fallen asleep. And the context here is we, we know these are people the save, who are saved. Okay, These are believers that he's referring to uh, at the beginning of verse 13. They're, they're believers. That idea about falling asleep is an interesting thought. That phrase, falling asleep. When... It's more than a euphemism. It's, it's more than that. It appears 14 times in the New Testament, that phrase, this idea of falling asleep. 
It appears three times in this passage. Verse 13, verse 14, and verse 15. Those who have fallen asleep. It always refers to the body falling asleep, not the spirit or the soul. In John chapter 11, verse 11. Lazarus has died. In fact, he's been in the grave for four days when Jesus arrives. But before Jesus actually gets to Bethany, he says this to his disciples. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go and wake him up. I love that. Isn't that a great picture? Our friend Lazarus fell asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. And his disciples, they, they didn't get it a lot of times. They just didn't get it. They said, well, if he's sleeping, he's doing well. And then Jesus had to bluntly tell him, he's dead. He's dead. Then they got it. But that idea about he's falling asleep, I'm just going to wake him up. I always love that. He's talking about those who have fallen asleep. And then he talks about at the end, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And the ones who have no hope are the ones who are unsaved. Okay. When, when our loved ones die, if we're believers, we grieve. It's perfectly okay. And whenever I'm at a funeral and someone starts crying and they say, Oh, forgive me for my, my tears. First thing I say, Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus. You don't have to be ashamed of your tears. That's okay. That's okay. But the difference is, for the believer, they can grieve, but they have hope. Those who are lost, they grieve for lost people. They don't have any hope. And I want you to know, I've done enough funerals in my day. We're up in the hundreds now. We're getting up in the hundreds of funerals that I've done. And I'll tell you what, it does make a difference if someone believes in Jesus Christ or not when it comes time to do their funeral. It makes a big difference in how people react and respond at the funeral home. It makes a big difference. There is a difference. There is a difference. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, upon their death, people say, what happens after we die? For those who believe in Jesus Christ and have trusted Him as their personal Savior, the minute they breathe their last, the Bible says, that person goes to heaven. Their spirit goes to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, as we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. So when a person dies, their body goes to sleep in the grave. Their spirit goes immediately to heaven. That's why Jesus, when he was hanging upon a cross next to a dying thief, could say to that thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He said, today. Today. Stephen He understood it very well. As they were stoning Stephen to death in Acts chapter 7, it says, right before he was martyred in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, Stephen cried out, Lord Jesus, 
receive my spirit. Don't miss that. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus, as he hung upon the cross, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Why? They understood. The spirit goes right at death. And the body goes into the ground. Meanwhile, the body is buried. And it awaits the day of resurrection. And it talks about God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. And these are two key words. In Him. In Him. Those who have died and have gone on. The Spirit comes back at the rapture with Jesus. Okay? Comes back. Now... Verse 15 says, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. When the rapture comes, those who are in the grave, verse 16 says, the dead in Christ will rise first. All right? They come out of the grave. And then those who are alive when he comes back, those who are dead come up and come up first. And then those who are alive join them and meet together in the air. We're going to say more about that in just a moment. The dead in Christ will rise first before those who are alive at his coming. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, I want to give you real quick this morning eight things that will happen when Jesus returns. And I'm not going to be able to say a whole lot about each one, but uh, I want to want to give you eight things that will happen when Jesus returns. First of all, in verse 16, it says, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. That's the first thing. There will be a sudden descent. Okay? A sudden descent. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11... Jesus is talking to his disciples. When all of a sudden a cloud comes and divides him from the disciples, and all of a sudden he goes, he starts ascending up to heaven. There were two men that were there, and they said this to the disciples. Why do you stand there looking into heaven? This same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven will come back in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What a great, what a great, great statement that is. There's going to be a divine, there's going to be a, a descent of Jesus, a, a sudden descent in which he comes down out of heaven. You'll notice the second thing that Paul tells us also in verse 16. There will be a loud command. And that, that phrase there, that loud command goes back to Jesus. Jesus is the one that's going to be giving this loud command. Now, what is that command? As he's coming down out of heaven, what does he say? What does he command? No one knows for sure. But maybe the Bible tells us just a little bit of a hint at what that command will be. John chapter 5 verse 28 says this. John 5 28 do not be amazed at this, 
For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. I believe that's the loud command. I really do. I believe that loud command will be pretty much like the command that Jesus Christ gave to Lazarus at Bethany, where he said, Lazarus, come out. I believe that loud command will be the dead hearing his voice as he says, literally, come forth, come forth. And that loud command, and they start coming out of their graves. Now, listen to me. I have preached this before at a grave site, and I've said this more than once. And people are, at first it kind of hits people a little strange. But I tell them this. I said, look at this cemetery. Look around at this cemetery today. Everything is so meticulous. The grass is cut. Everything looks beautiful. But I want you to know there's coming a day where this cemetery is going to be ripped apart. It's not going to look like this when the dead in Christ rise. When they start coming out of their graves, that, that cemetery, which by the way, cemetery is an interesting word too. When we're talking about that idea of falling asleep, the word cemetery means a sleeping room. That's what it means. That's what a cemetery is. It's a sleeping room. Isn't that interesting? And the dead in Christ, they come out of their graves. And the cemetery doesn't look so great anymore. But at that point, who cares? Who cares? There's a loud command. Third thing, he says, with the voice of the archangel, there will be the voice of the archangel. The voice of the archangel. In Daniel chapter 12... In Jude, verse 9, it refers to the archangel Michael. Now, I think there are probably more than one archangel. But it could be Michael is the one who uh, the voice of the archangel may be Michael. And what is that voice going to say? Once again, we don't know. But I've got a pretty good feeling that it will be an announcement of praise at the coming of Jesus. It will be like the archangel is the town crier. Shouting out the praise of welcome the king. The king is coming. Remember that song? The king is coming. The old great Gaither song. He's coming. The fourth thing, there's going to be a trumpet call of God. A trumpet call of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. That's usually a sign above the church nursery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. 
and we will be changed. There will be the trumpet call of God. The fifth thing, there's going to be a great resurrection. A great resurrection. It says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You see, there was a concern on the part of the Thessalonians. They were kind of worried about the fact that when Jesus came back, what's going to happen to our dead that have died? You'll rapture us away, but what happens to those who are in the grave? And there was a concern, and Paul had to straighten that out. Listen, Paul says, don't worry about it. In fact, the dead in Christ are going to rise before you if you're alive. They're going to come out of the grave first. The dead in Christ will rise first. First. But you'll notice... I believe two of the most important words in the entire Bible. The dead, those two words, in Christ. That makes all the difference in the world. And in eternity. In Christ. Find me two more important words in the entire Bible than those two. And Paul loved those two words. He used them repeatedly in his writings. In Christ. You see... The dead will rise first. That's uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, talks about the first resurrection. The first resurrection. What will happen to those who are not saved? The unsaved dead are left in their graves. I want you to hear me this morning. The unsaved dead are left in their graves... Revelation chapter 20, verse 5 says, The rest of the dead, this is the unsaved, the ones who were not part of the first resurrection, the ones who were called in Revelation chapter 20 two times as being part of the second death. That's what it's referred to. The second death. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. There's the millennial period. And then, after that thousand-year period, the Bible specifically states in Revelation chapter 20, then the unsaved dead come up for the great white throne judgment, and they are judged according to their sins, their works, because they never accepted Jesus Christ to be their Savior and their solution for the sin problem. So they will be judged by their works, by their sin. Only those who are unsaved appear at the great white throne judgment seat of Christ. They come up to be judged at the second death. And those whose names are not found in the book of life and none of their names will be there will be cast out into the lake of fire. Specifically stated in Revelation chapter 20. Now let me ask you this, friend, this morning. Why would you want to be a part of the second death when you can be a part of the first resurrection? Why why would you choose that? I don't understand that. You can avoid the great white throne judgment. You can avoid the lake of fire. All you have to do is give your life to Jesus Christ and see Him as the solution for your sin. That's all you have to do. And you can be part of that first resurrection. If you're dead when He comes. If you're alive, you'll still 
be part of that first resurrection. He'll come up. A great resurrection. Sixth, there's a glorious rapture. There's a glorious rapture. In verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. Caught up. The Greek word is, uh, rap, excuse me, is harpazo. Harpazo. It means to seize, to snatch, to swoop down. And it's always used and it always implies a change of location. It always implies that. The rapture is a change of location. It's a seizing, a snatching, a a swooping down as Jesus comes for His church. Remember, some of you remember these days. Two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. Remember those days of Larry Norman? I wish we'd all been ready. I remember when I was a teenager seeing the movie A Thief in the Night. There was a distant thunder, no time to run, and all these, there was like a trilogy of terror. And I was a Christian, and I went home scared to death. And I was a Christian, I knew I was a Christian. It still scared me. You remember those days? Remember those days? What's the Bible say? Two men, Matthew 24, 41, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. It's a glorious rapture. Seventh, there's going to be a grand reunion. A grand reunion. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Together with them. That's the dead in Christ that are coming out of the grave. And those of us who, are, who may still be alive when Christ comes, when that rapture comes, we're caught up together with the dead and we'll meet in the air with the Lord. Family. Friends. Raptured together. Raptured together. This is the ultimate family reunion. Right there. A grand reunion. Together with them. It's beautiful three words. Together with them. Eighth, there's going to be a joyful meeting. A joyful meeting. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. Here's the, the joyful meeting. To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That joyful meeting. We will meet the Lord. John chapter 14, verse 3 says, Jesus said to his disciples, I will come back and receive you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Wow. What a joyful meeting. That where I am, you can be there too. Meet Him in the air to be with Him forever. So as I close this morning, 
question on the floor, a number of questions this morning. The first one and the most important one is, where do you stand with Jesus today? I mean, really. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Is He your Savior? And is He your Lord? Have you ever trusted Him and Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins? This is a very comforting passage about what happens after death for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. It's a very comforting passage. But I'll tell you what, for those who are not believers and are not in Christ, this is a very scary passage. It's very scary. Where do you stand in your relationship to Jesus Christ today? We're going to ask the worship team to come at this time. Once you know the altar's open, if you've walked in here today and you say, if someone was to ask you, do you think you're going to heaven? And you say, boy, I hope so. I sure hope so. Or you say, maybe. If you were to die, would there be a question mark hanging over your casket? Well, nobody seems to be certain as to whether this person was a Christian or whether they weren't. So they grieve as if there was no hope. You can walk out of these doors today knowing that you have eternal life. And you can know that heaven is your home beyond a shadow of a doubt. You can leave here. You came in here kind of apprehensive, but you can leave with assurance this morning. You can leave with assurance. Would you please stand and would you please come? If you don't know Jesus Christ... Let me tell you something. There's things in this world that are put in this world to play with. I've said it before. We play with balls. We play with a lot of... We play games. We, we play with things. But let me tell you something. There was one thing that was put in this world that was never to be toyed with. That was a person's soul. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And the obvious answer is, there's no trade-in value for a soul. There's no trade-in value. There's nothing you can swap for it. Where do you stand with Jesus this morning?